This is Cruise Radio. So many people had their vacations turned upside down because of the hurricanes over the past month. Very active season. Make sure you're protected at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Disney Fantasy today from Disney Cruise Line. And uh, Stephen was on this sailing, and it was actually these crews that had to leave Orlando quickly to get out of Port Canaveral before they shut the port down just ahead of Hurricane Dorian. There was a little itinerary change there, so Stephen will talk all about that. Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News and our Cruise Radio YouTube channel. Last week, I uploaded a video, a walkthrough tour of Holland America's New Amsterdam. You could check that out by just going to YouTube and searching Cruise Radio. Yeah. Yeah, that's the easiest way to do it. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. So one cruise line is going to stretch their ship, but we've seen this before, right? We sure have. And this time, MSC Cruises has announced their plan to add more staterooms and public space to one of its ships. So less expensive than, you know, than building a new ship. It's called stretching. And stretching an existing cruise ship is really the way to go. So the objective for MSC is to add more staterooms by, and this is how it's done. You insert a section in the middle. First, you cut the ship in half, and then they scoot a section in the middle, and they stitch it all up. And the section on this uh, occasion is going to be about 75 feet length or width, if, if you want to call it that. So all totaled, MSC thinks this will probably run about $140 million, which is a whole lot less than a new ship. Which ship is it? It's MSC Magnifica. And it's going to undergo the lengthening and refurbishment prior to its 2021 summer season. So while in dry dock, there will be 215 new staterooms added. Also included in the plans is updating play spaces for the kids, a new water park, shopping, and of course, more restaurants. Um, They're also going to do some uh, environmentally friendly technological upgrades. So that's always interesting MSC Cruises has lengthened other ships, including all four of their Lyrica-class ships. And after dry dock, Magnifica will cruise a variety of itineraries out of Southampton in England. Who was it? Royal Caribbean stretched the enchantment like 15 years ago or so? At least that long. Yeah, Yeah. I used to walk around the ship, look for the the riveting Uh where they put it back together. And speaking of Royal Caribbean, Port Everglades is going to welcome a new ship in 2020. Yeah, they are. It was recently announced that Royal Caribbean's next ship, called Odyssey of the Seas, will home port in Fort Lauderdale. The inaugural cruise will be a short one. It's going to the Bahamas and will depart on Thursday, November 5 of 2020. The itinerary is your typical Bahamas cruise. The Odyssey will depart from Fort Lauderdale to Nassau and then on to Cocoa Key. After that, the ship will begin a variety of itineraries ranging from five to eight days, and it will travel to the eastern, western, and southern Caribbean. Odyssey of the Seas will remain in Fort Lauderdale through spring of 2021, and after that, the ship will venture across the Atlantic for a summer season in Europe. Odyssey of the Seas will be Royal Caribbean's fifth quantum-class ship. Time goes fast. And preceding Odyssey were, of course, the Quantum in 14, then the Anthem of the Seas, Ovation. And finally, we're looking forward to Spectrum of the Seas this year. Norwegian Encore has named its godmother. Yeah, they did. They just announced that Kelly Clarkson will not only be the godmother to the new Norwegian Encore, but will also perform at the christening. 
the announcement event uh, took place on TV on the Kelly Clarkson show, and the event will happen in Miami on Thursday, November 21 of this year. I've never seen the show, but I guess it's popular. Yeah, I think it's a brand new show, actually. I think she's like in her first season right now of it. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, I haven't seen it. Have you? Nope. If it's not YouTube, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you're addicted to that lately. Yeah. Last talking point here. Royal Caribbean says, formal night isn't going anywhere. Yeah, basically, uh, this, you know, it seems that there was, uh, I guess you can call it a bit of noise on Cruise Critics' message boards the other day. So apparently, in the Harmony of the Seas Daily Planner, you know, the Cruise Compass, instead of their using the word formal for its dress-up night, they use the term wear your best to describe the dress code option on what most people expected to be formal night. So what happened was the message board lit up as people wondered if formal nights were soon going to disappear. But in response, Royal Caribbean confirmed that formal night is still a scheduled event, but now only on its longer sailings. And according to a Royal Caribbean spokesperson, the wording in the Cruise Compass programs on Harmony of the Sea was a misprint. However, only sailing six nights or longer will still offer formal nights. If you're on a cruise of five nights or less, it will be replaced with what they're calling, quote, wear your best evening on board. So if you want a description of what Royal Caribbean is saying is a wear your best option, they said, and this is a quote again, Nighttime is the right time to wear your best look. That means a step up from your typical dinner wear and includes collared shirts, dresses, skirts, blouses, and pantsuits. Jackets, tuxedos, formal wear, sport coats, and blazers are also appropriate. So, you know, if you still want to dress up, dress up. Wear your best and don't let, uh, don't let the words ruin your trip. Listener question comes from Nina. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. If we skip a port because of weather, is there required compensation? I'm currently on Carnival Magic, and we skipped Half Moon K because of high seas. I know airlines have to accommodate under certain circumstances, but do cruise lines? Well, Nina, I hate to say this again, but it's all covered in your cruise contract, and that's something you have to tick the accept box when you complete your online cruise registration. So, you know, unfortunately, weather can change itineraries very easily. And, you know, whether it's high seas, high winds, hurricanes, fog, and you can miss your scheduled port and the cruise line is not responsible for that. Um, You know, another thing that can also um, veer you off course is if someone gets sick on the ship and the ship has to divert to a different port and then you will still lose out on the port that you were hoping to go to. So, yeah, you know, it's. The, the cruise contract is pages and pages, but it's covered in there and it's at their discretion and they don't have to offer compensation. Sometimes they may give a little bit of a shipboard credit. You never know. But basically, nope, no responsibility if they don't miss one, of, if they have to miss one of the ports. Well, there you have it, Nina. Probably not the news you wanted to hear, but nonetheless, you got it anyway. Uh, By the way, I forgot to mention it at the top of the show, but every day we put out 60-second news briefs, Monday through Friday. You can find them. It's a podcast that runs opposite of this. So if you just type in Cruise Radio News, where you listen to your favorite podcast, you'll be able to get those Monday through Friday news briefs. Also on Amazon Alexa, as Craiger is about to tell you in a couple of seconds. Sherry Laskin with CruiseMaven.com. As always, thank you. Thanks, Doug. 
If you have an Amazon Alexa enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out tripinsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Steven and his wife just returned from a seven-night cruise to the Western Caribbean on Disney Fantasy out of Port Canaveral. Steven joins us on the line. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. So give us some pre-cruise thoughts on taking this seven-night cruise on Disney Fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. So my wife and I have been on the dream before. Actually, last year, it's where I proposed, and we recently got married uh, back in June. So we were looking for something something to do uh, during the summer. So we, of course, chose uh, hurricane season to go on a cruise. Uh, <laughs> only kidding. That actually turned out to be kind of relevant. But the Fantasy is a ship that neither of us had been on, and we were looking for something a little bit longer than a three- or four-night sailing. So we picked the seven-day uh, Western Caribbean. I'm just curious, Stephen, because you're up there just south of Chicago, and you had to come down to Orlando. Hurricane season, do you normally use travel insurance? I don't. And it's it's weird because uh, so many people that I'm friends with do and they live by it and they're all about it. We did really think about it for this trip, though. Mm-hmm. But in our experience, Disney has been really good with you know making things right. And, and we're also relatively flexible. Um, both of our jobs have have some somewhat flexible, uh, some flexibility with mm-hmm. regard to, you know, if we got stuck out at sea for a couple extra days or if we need to cancel and reschedule and take another vacation. We didn't have that much concern. But, you know, out of all the times to travel, this trip kind of, you know, piqued our interest at looking at travel insurance policies. So you make your way down to Orlando. Any pre-cruise time at the parks or anything? Yes. So our our cruise left on a Saturday and we got in late Wednesday night. Um, It happened to be the night that or early the next morning is when Star Wars Land opened at Hollywood Studios. So by the time we got to the hotels around two o'clock in the morning, people were up ready to go into Galaxy's Edge and experience that. We just went to bed, got up and did the parks the next two days, and uh, we're ready to go for the uh, sailing on Saturday. All right. So you make your way to Port Canaveral. How was embarkation? It was not too bad. Now, it should be noted that the curb to ship was not 
terrible at all. Now the getting off of the highway or, you know, after you go out, you know, over the bridge kind of into where the cruise ships dock there at Port Canaveral took a really long time. And I'm not sure if it was because they had said that as soon as all the ships left that Saturday, they'd be closing Port Canaveral down. But we did wait about 40 minutes getting off of the road, kind of waiting to get to the point where you could be dropped off and helped by the porters. After that point, it was fast. From curb to ship was only about 15 minutes. So I want to back up for a second. This cruise you did, was this the weekend before the storm was supposed to hit or was this the weekend after the storm came? This was before. So okay. the, the storm was supposed to hit, uh, I believe, either on a Sunday or a Monday mm-hmm. and our ship was leaving on Saturday. Okay, so you got on board. You got the heck out of Dodge. Tell us about your stateroom. Actually, you know what? Let's back up because you sailed Disney Dream before. Give us your first impressions uh, of Disney Fantasy. Absolutely. So the Fantasy is, I don't want to say a mirror image of the Dream. It's the same specification, same size. Um, So when you walk into the atrium, it's still as grand as the dream is the color schemes are a little bit different you know the characters that they feature on their statues are different but it's breathtaking um you know from you know the minute you get on the ship they announce your family name on a microphone and are all clapping and you know saying welcome home and it's it's an experience that that some cruise lines do really well and some don't but disney does it fantastically what kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it we booked a uh, veranda. Uh, it's a deluxe family veranda room. Disney doesn't have a whole lot of different classes unless you're booking into their suites, into their concierge level. There are two rooms on the Disney Fantasy that have extended balconies that are towards the front of the ship and they kind of extend out a little bit. So you are almost parallel with the um, up on the bridge. They have the little the little pieces that stick out, you know, where the, the people that are driving the ship, the captain or, you know, his folks can, can kind of get over where the pier is, but you're parallel with that. So you kind of stick out over a little bit and the balcony is bigger, you know, has room for two chairs and two loungers, um, which is definitely bigger than most of the, the balcony, uh, rooms there on the fantasy. And the room itself is pretty spacious. Uh, can't complain. I've never sailed on Disney, so I have to ask, uh, in the bathroom, do we have a glass enclosure or the regular curtain? Regular curtain. Right. And I'm a tall guy. I'm 6'3", mm-hmm. and I've got to say I had to tilt my head to the side. I mean, not <laughs> only did you have the the curtain itself, which obviously is is not preferable, but you also have a height issue. They They seem to raise the bathtub up a little bit because – you know, it being Disney, there's going to be lots of kids on board. And I think Mm. they want to make the bathtub, you know, more friendly to give baths in. And because of that, when when you're 6'3 and you're standing up, you know, your ear is to the the ceiling. Plenty of storage and space in the cabin, though. There is. Yeah. I mean, they definitely make it so the, you know, the luggage can fit underneath the bed. There's plenty of of drawers and and closet space. Um, Definitely not as many USB plugs or or plugs as as you would hope. Uh, One side of the bed had nothing. So we kind of had to, well, we had our extension cord uh, confiscated. So we had to just do without. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about dining. Actually, so you got your extension cord confiscated did you like legit roll in there with a like a six foot extension cord and they were like no way (laughs) just with a small a small you know the indoor extension cords maybe three or four feet (laughs) and uh i 
I knew it was iffy, so I put it in the checked bag, and sure enough, I had some Mickey mail in the bag that said, <laughs> hey, by the way, we took your extension cord, and if you want it, you can come claim it at the end of the cruise. Oh, wow. Let's talk about dining on this seven-night cruise. Of course, Disney has rotational dining where you kind of rotate between different dining rooms. First off, how does that work if you're going to go to a specialty restaurant in the middle of rotational? Does that like mess the rotation up at all? Not at all. When you embark, you get your key to the world card, which is just your stateroom key. And it'll list it'll list on your on your stateroom card what restaurants you go to in what order. And if you need to go to a specialty restaurant, which we did for dinner on the last night, you simply just skip that and you you know catch back up with your with your party or your table at the next restaurant. So how was the main dining room ex- or I should say main dining rooms experience? It was great. The cruise sailed pretty full. I had to say that it was it was likely at capacity and you kind of could see that a little bit. There was there was some slowdown, but you know, it didn't seem like it was a systemic problem. It was more just a lot of people eating a lot of food. It was great. I mean, the the food in the main dining rooms on Disney have always exceeded my expectations. The specialty dining on board is fantastic and obviously doesn't compare to, you know, anything but uh it's it was it was still a great experience and the staff is always fantastic i guess i should mention to the listeners who aren't familiar with disney's product they have rotational dining so and correct me if i'm wrong steven but there's three dining rooms and you go to a different dining room every night and you kind of just rotate through the three during your cruise that's right okay. so there are on the fantasy there's royal table enchanted uh garden and animators palette and those three dining rooms are your main dining rooms you start in one and you rotate through each of them through the duration of your cruise and your wait staff so your assistant server your server and your head server will go along with you so they can you know kind of easily within you know the first two or three nights kind of pick up you know the things that you like things that you don't like you know as soon as we sat down we had you know the drinks that they knew we were going to order you know kind of waiting for us so that was always nice how was the buffet on board? It was good. We, you know, did what most people do and 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 went up to Cabana's, which is their buffet, on the first day to grab some lunch as soon as we embarked. And it was great. Uh, it was busy, especially in the mornings. If uh, if you were looking to get off the ship at port, um, right around seven or eight o'clock, it's a madhouse. But as long as you know that if it's busy on one side, chances are it's not so busy on the other. You know, it's much like uh, most of the of the Lido deck buffet is, you know, you can just go to the other side of the ship and get the same, the same food. Have you cruised outside of Disney before? I have on uh, Norwegian and carnival. Okay. So is it pretty standard buffet food though? It is. It is. I mean, there are, there are some things that obviously you're only going to find on Disney. So your Mickey waffles and your, and your, you know, kind of Disney esque uh, themed foods, but for the most part, it's, it's exactly the same. Okay. And then you mentioned you went to a specialty restaurant on the last night of your cruise. Where did you go and how was it? So on the Disney Fantasy, there's two specialty restaurants. There's Remy and there's Paulo. Um, Remy is amazing, but it is also uh, very exclusive uh, and it's kind of difficult to get a reservation there. We went to Paulo, which is... um, like you said, a specialty restaurant, it's a $40 upcharge per person. And that's whether you go for brunch on a sea day or for dinner. And we, we did both. Um, it was fantastic. It's a you know, more traditional Italian fare. They have amazing pasta dishes, amazing pizza dishes, and great desserts. Talk to me about the brunch. 
the brunch is better than the dinner. I've got to say anyone who ever asked me about Disney cruising kind of one tip, you know, across all of the ships is to go to Polo. And it is the specialty restaurant that is on all of the ships. So the, the two older Disney ships, the, the magic and the wonder, they don't have Remy, but they do have Polo. So I recommend that brunch for everyone. It's special in that it has two components. It has a buffet component. So you get up and and your server will walk you through the buffet. And it's got, you know, kind of your charcuterie. It's got breads and it's got sweets and salties. And, and it's got all these fantastic things that you really fill yourself up on. And it's and it's certainly not, not poor quality food. And then you order off of a menu for for some other specialty items they're they're known for their chicken parmesan so you know we get that every time we go and you know then you can try some of the other stuff on the menu and, and much like the main dining room there's no no limit on what you can get so if you don't like something you can always you know order something else or if you really like something you can order two of them is the brunch character dining it's not. So okay. something that is is interesting about the specialty dining on on the Disney ships, whether you go to Paolo or to Remy, is that they are 18 and over. So okay. there is no um, children allowed in those in those restaurants. They do have character dining. I believe that on some of the sailings they have a, a character dining one or two of the sea day mornings. But uh, there is is no characters uh, in in Paulo, although I wish there was. <laughs> I would be one of those people too. I'm like the one who always <laughs> goes to Chef Mickey when I'm down in uh, down in Orlando before the Absolutely. parks. Yeah, um, very good. Let's talk about entertainment. How was it on this seven night? Fantastic, fantastic. So I mean, anytime anyone asks the difference between Disney and the other cruise lines, is I think that Disney's entertainment kind of sets them apart. You know, it unlike you know, your, your traditional cruise lines that have to go and search for, you know, an entertainment product that is going to, you know, provide entertainment for multi-generational groups. Uh, you know, Disney is an entertainment company, so they can bring in their, their shows and, and they do a fantastic job of that. So, you know, in the, in the main theater, in the Walt Disney theater, they offer Broadway style shows and they had three of those, um, throughout the sailing. And then they have a couple variety acts and comedians that will come in, uh, in the evenings and do their shows there. And then, you know, for adults, if, if you're not sailing with kids or if you are, and they're off doing their own thing, they close down a part of the ship at nine 30 at night, every night. And that section of the ship is off limits to children. And that's kind of where your bars and your clubs are. And they'll usually have, either a variety act or a comedian doing an adult set there. So that's, that's also great. How was the ship on, you said it was a full ship. So how was it on sea days as far as crowds and congestion? It was hit or miss. And, and I say that as nicely as I can. Um, there are parts of the ship where if the ship is full or not, they're going to be congested. So on the Lido deck, right in front of the pool, they have a gigantic screen called Funnel Vision where they play movies. That area is always jam-packed, and it was no exception this cruise. Good luck trying to go and, and get a soda or an ice cream um, because that area was, was jammed. Um, but then there's other parts of the ship that you wouldn't know that there was anybody on board. And I mean, if you're going, you know, walking around the atrium at certain times of the day, even on sea days, you know, it's, it's relatively empty and, you know, there was no complaints. I, I think, I think the gist of it is that if you wanted to get away from the people, although the ship was full, you could do that. And if you wanted to be with the hustle and bustle, that was, that was easy to do too. They have that aqua duck slide out there. Any, um, like, is there a line to get onto that? 
There is. So my wife and I did that kind of as we were pulling up to Castaway Key, actually, um, or you know, pulling up to, to, to not go there, but we, we wanted to be able to see it as good as we could. So we, we got on the slide. It was only maybe a 10 minute wait or so. And that is pretty consistent. Um, you can usually find it without a line on port days. Mm -hmm. Um, but on sea days, there's usually a little bit of a line. Ah, gotcha. This was a seven night Western Caribbean sailing. Um, what ports of call did you hit and give us a highlight from each port? So we, had a sea day on the front end, and then we were at Cozumel in Mexico. At that port, uh, I had already been to Cozumel. I think there are two different uh, piers that are at Cozumel. I've only sailed into one, and it's right across from like a little outdoor mall. Mm-hmm. Um, but this day was particularly busy because they were, at the time we were sailing, they were rerouting uh, ships from eastern caribbean itineraries to the western caribbean so we had more ships in port than i think they had originally expected so there were ships kind of here there and everywhere but we did a submarine excursion and this was through disney and basically they took you out on a boat smaller boat kind of the size of a of a tender um out to a submarine that was waiting maybe two or three hundred feet off off of the the shore and went down in the submarine, 100, 105 feet, um, kind of all the way to the point where on one side of the submarine, you could see the, you know, 100 feet down seafloor. And then there was a gigantic drop off and it was just into the abyss. And they said that past that point is about 2000 feet down. Oh my and that gosh. was a really cool experience. I, I get super claustrophobic, Stephen. Like, did you, do they pack you in that thing or is there like space to move and move your arms and all that? So there is space to move. And this was actually a really cool experience because I had never been on a submarine before. And the only experience I had had in the past in a submarine was on the uh, 20,000 Leagues uh, slash Finding Nemo (laughs) Disneyland ride. And it is almost the exact same. I mean, with the exception of of a small couple things here and there, the space is exactly the same. So, yeah, you are crammed in there. And, and they say that you can, you know, you can be under the water for 24 hours if there was an emergency, but I wouldn't want to be down there for more than an hour. <laughs> no way. Okay. So after Cozumel, where did you go? Uh, then we scooted right on over to Grand Cayman and we did not do an excursion uh, at Grand Cayman. Um, as you know, or as most people know that this is a, a tendering port. So the the ship does not go into a pier. You kind of sit out in the middle of the water and take a tender boat in. Um, And from listening to the show for a long time, I had heard that Seven Mile Beach is the place to be in in Grand Cayman. So we uh, took a taxi cab right over there and uh, hung out on the beach for the day and made our way back to the ship and picked up a pretty nasty sunburn on the way. Ooh, what, uh, what did that cab run you from the pier to Seven Mile? It was $6 per person, and okay. the, the cab driver tried to – it seemed like there was two different drop-off points, and he first offered to take us to a beach that you had to pay to. Uh, I guess you had to pay $5 to get into, mm-hmm. and then the beach that he ended up taking us to was free. It would have been $5 for him to take us to the, the pay beach and then $6 to take us to the free beach. So it was obviously kind of a, a no-brainer there. After Grand Cayman, where'd you go? 
the next stop was Falmouth, uh, Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So there we did a, another excursion through Disney. And this was really fantastic. This was at the uh, Yaman Adventure Park. And it's actually way, way out there. I mean, at least from the pier that the Disney ship was in. They had told us when we docked that Royal Caribbean had built this port in Falmouth and that the Ocho Rios port is a lot closer to this excursion that we were doing. So we we take about an hour and a half bus, maybe it wasn't that long, but it certainly seemed like that, uh, up to the Yaman Adventure Park. And it's this kind of middle of the jungle place that's got birds and monkeys and coconuts and they drive you around on a tractor and Mm. they show you how to climb a coconut tree and they let you eat the coconut meat right from the coconut and it was really cool and then kind of the highlight the really fun part about that excursion was uh you got to go on an atv or a dune buggy for about an hour which was really fun so we got to go through the mud and get real dirty and then it ended with a beach day for or a beach break for about 45 minutes, which was just enough time for us to realize that we were really tired and needed to get back to the ship. Yeah, Falmouth is one of those ports that you you pretty much want to book. If you're, going, if you're going to do an excursion in Falmouth, you pretty much want to book it through the cruise line because you're pretty much right in the middle. So you're about 45 minutes to an hour from Montego Bay, and then in the other direction is Ocho Rios. So it's kind of a hike out there. So I always recommend that if you're going to Falmouth, yeah, Royal Caribbean opened that port in 2011. And Carnival and other cruise lines, Disney's, they dock there as well, just for port space. And it's actually, they did a good job developing that, didn't they? It's beautiful. Yeah. I've got to tell you, I have not, you know, out of all of the ports I've been to, I have not gotten off a ship and been so impressed by mm-hmm. the the shops and kind of the common areas that are around Falmouth right there. And I mean, I wish we could have had more time to just walk around and kind of look at the architecture of those buildings they built. But it's it's very nice. Now, you had an interesting situation come up for uh, Castaway because you didn't actually get to go there, but explain what happened. Sure. So we were scheduled to go to Castaway on the last day of our cruise, which would have been Friday. And, you know, we knew that the that the storm, that Dorian had kind of come through the Bahamas and that they had, um, you know, it had kind of really hit certain parts of it hard, but you know, the, the cruise ship did a really good job. You know, the captain and the cruise director did a really, really fantastic job of keeping us updated on what was happening. Uh, they made the weather channel available in our stateroom, which is something they normally don't do. At least that's my understanding. And all that being said, we still thought we'd be able to go to Castaway Key on that Friday. Well, on Wednesday evening, when we got on the ship, uh, after we had been at it in Jamaica, the captain got on the, uh, on the intercom and had said that, because they needed to send equipment to Castaway Key to survey the pier area, um, we wouldn't be able to dock at Castaway Key, and obviously we wouldn't be able to tender in either. And so they said that we would have a sea day instead. Um, so everyone was a little bit bummed, but we understood. Mm-hmm. Um, we still made it to the island to deliver supplies, and then. Actually, the next day, the cruise director and the captain got back on uh, during our sea day and said that they had scheduled us uh, kind of for a impromptu stop at Nassau on Friday morning since we wouldn't be able to go to Castaway Key. So we did that. We kind of had a split day. We In the morning, we were at Nassau. People were able to get off, and we left about 1, 1.30. And then at about 6 o'clock in the afternoon or in the evening, we made it to Castaway Key, and we pulled up about three or 400 feet from the pier and we delivered supplies and some manpower. And that was a 
kind of a really cool sight to see. And my understanding is that we also delivered supplies for the uh, other islands that were hit Mm -hmm. in the vicinity of Castaway. What was the vibe whenever they tell you you're going to miss Castaway? Because I know that a lot of people book Vista Cruise, I mean, book Disney Cruises in general just to go to Castaway or run the 5K or what have you. Was there a certain vibe? I mean, it's kind of a weird situation, right? Because you had a storm that just left 70,000 people homeless, but then you also have people that spent thousands of dollars for a vacation. It's true. And I have to say that the vibes were mixed. Now, you know, kind of the people that we that we were around on the cruise seemed to be understanding, you know, when we would go to the lounge that night and you know, we said, "Oh, man, that it sucks. We can't go to Castaway." Everyone seemed to you know, kind of had the same sentiment. Like, you know, we understand and it's really unfortunate what's going on with them and and safety first. But then I found out when I got home, you know, and kind of looked at some of our, our Facebook groups of people that were on the cruise as well. They were very upset. I mean, I didn't hear a lot of, you know, hooting and hollering on the ship itself. But when I got home, it turns out there was a whole lot of people that were really, really up in arms about this. And it was really surprising to me. I guess you have keyboard jockeys, right? People who don't want to really be bold until they, until they get behind their keyboard or their phone when no one's around them. You do. Absolutely. You know? And Disney did a really good job, too, of trying to make some of the events that were on Castaway Key available on the ship. So you had mentioned the 5K, for instance. They usually have you get off the ship first thing and mm-hmm. run or walk the 5K around the island. But, you know, obviously we weren't there to do it. So they have made it available on the ship. Basically what you did, you went to... Um, guest services, you picked up yourself a bib and you walked around the walking track or the jogging track and did a 5k there. And then they gave you your medal. So you could still do your 5k. Granted, it wasn't on the island itself, but I thought that was kind of cool that they at least tried to make up for it. Do you ever do those races on the island? We did. So my wife and I did on our last cruise and that was rough. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it sounds like a good idea at the time. And then, you know, you know, a couple of days after eating in the buffets and yeah. in all the main dining rooms, <laughs> uh, you try to put your body through a 5k at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, you, you quickly regret that. <laughs> Fair enough. So you make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was debarkation? It was easy. Um, we were taking a, a bus of the Disney transportation back to Disney world for a night. And there was a little bit of hold up at customs, but nothing, you know, nothing more than usual. They did away with the blue papers that they have that mm-hmm. you usually used to fill out, but um, you still had to show the passport. I know that some ports have kind of done this digital um, exit system that, that you don't stop as much, but um, it wasn't too bad. I, maybe from when we left the ship to being on the curb waiting for the, uh, the shuttle, it was maybe 25 minutes or so. What hotel did you stay in? On the front end, before we got on the cruise ship, we stayed at Pop Century. Mm-hmm. And then on the back end, which was just for one night, we stayed at Port Orleans French Quarter. They have some good beignets there. They do. They <laughs> yeah. do. I mean, there is, there is, uh, I've got nothing, nothing against Pop Century, but uh, the kind of the vibe of Port Orleans, whether it's French Quarter or Riverside, is, uh, is special. And they have some pumpkin spice beignets I read today on I think on Disney Food Blog. Now they just they, rolled it off for the fall time. They do. Yeah. I mean that's something that that Disney does really well with <laughs> their beignets. I mean Disney World is kind of my 
my third home if Disneyland is my second home. But um, at Disneyland, which I'm much more used to, usually your beignets, you'll see different flavors for different seasons and, and, and churros as well. Yeah. And that's hard to pass up. Well, I didn't ask you about smoking because Disney doesn't have casinos on board, but is there like a smoking section outside? I assume there's no smoking inside the ship anywhere. That's right. So yeah. if you're inside, no smoking at all. Now, there's three spots that I'm aware of that you can smoke, and they're usually you know, pretty full. I mean, it, it, it's surprising, but maybe it's because you're not able to smoke anywhere inside, uh, and they're all out of the way. Uh, most of them are in adults-only sections anyway. Uh, one of them's outside the nightclub area. One of them is up kind of in the adults-only eating area, and then the other is up, up by a bar kind of two or three decks above the Lido deck. So okay. kids are not going to really have to worry about cigarette smell or smoke at all. Any first-time tips to offer someone sailing Disney Cruise Line? Yes. So I've sailed a lot of cruise lines, and Disney is obviously my favorite. Not to not to put any others down, but something that's really great about Disney is that the camaraderie among the cruisers is really great. Something that I would recommend if you're on a Disney cruise is to find the Disney cruise Facebook group for your particular cruise. Usually these people start talking about this cruise two years in advance, as soon as they book it. And something that you can do and I don't think any other cruise lines do this, is it's called a fish extender. Mm -hmm. And outside of the outside of the doors on the Disney cruises, they have little fish and it acts as a hook. Usually it's the it's the place that the cruise line will leave you mail if you've got a reservation or a ticket. But what people do is they put little hooks or little bags that either they make themselves or they buy, and they're called fish extenders. Um, obviously it extends the fish and you can sign up to leave gifts for other people in their fish extenders. So you either join a group of five or 10 different staterooms um, and, you know, kind of ahead of time, you, you share what Disney character you like or what Disney attractions you like. And then people either make or buy just little gifts, nothing too expensive. And then, you know, in the middle of the night or whenever you want to, you kind of go around to the other staterooms that are in your group and leave them little gifts and they'll do the same for you. And there's something really special about coming back to your stateroom after a day out um, up on the Lido deck to finding, you know, a magnet or a, a homemade Christmas ornament or something like that. So kind of getting involved with the community is, is definitely a first time tip for me. You were mentioning that, um, Disney's like your favorite or like one of your homes. That's kind of what scares me about cruising Disney Cruise Line because I love Disney, the annual pass and everything and always going down to Orlando. And I'm afraid that if I sail it once, I'll get hooked and uh, they're kind of pricey. So it's kind of like, you know, sailing a, a balcony cabin, right? Like once you sail there, you're spoiled. You don't want to ever sail it inside again. I had that same kind of feeling with Disney. It's true. I mean, I've, I've definitely, so Disney was my second cruise line I ever sailed. So mm -hmm. I sailed on Norwegian first, then Disney, then I kind of mixed some carnival and then I've, you know, kind of gone back and forth between Disney and, and, and Norwegian. But I think that it's important to remember that it's, it's just like that. You can either go on two or three carnival or Norwegian cruises or go on one Disney cruise. And for me, if I'm at sea, that's better than being here on the land. So if it comes down to it and I really need to get out there, you know, Norwegian or Carnival are still great products, but agree with you that when you do then go on another cruise line, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's similar with sailing, you know, like you said, on a balcony cabin, or if you somehow got lucky enough to sail on, you know, Regent seven seas or, you know, like a really nice Viking cruise line that you would then start comparing everything else to that. And I found myself doing that, but yeah. you know, 
like I said, it's it's I'd rather be cruising than not. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, final thoughts of Disney Fantasy. Disney Fantasy is a fantastic ship, and anyone who goes on on the ship should have a good time. And I would recommend, you know, take your time, go explore the ship at odd times. We had the opportunity to walk around the ship, you know, in the middle of the night. I mean, 11 o'clock at night, but on a Disney cruise ship, it's dead. And we saw some really cool stuff. You know, we we got to see a, uh, a show out on the Lido deck being rehearsed. So there was pyrotechnics and lights and no one there except for the cruise director and some of the technical staff. And, you know, enjoying the ship, you know, when everyone else is asleep is a really great way to kind of admire some of the architectural beauty of, of the fantasy. Steven, thanks for giving this review of Disney Fantasy, my friend. My pleasure. Thanks, Doug. All right, Dougie, here we go for uh, the new uh, Cruise Radio stuff here for you. <clears throat> Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net.